I'm Ryan Shea. And I am Jordan DiVirgilio, and welcome to Two Angles on Angling. How are you doing today, Ryan? Good, man. Good. It's uh, It's been a, a crazy week. Extremely. You know, crazy week. Um, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Just just the structure of the show for those who are listening to this this first time is spent about the first five to ten minutes going over what we saw in the water next week, what we think is going to be happening the following week, and then... Uh, then we're going to get into, you know, some deeper conversation. So if you're listening for a report, you can tune in every week, every Sunday. We're always going to drop the latest uh, notes and what we saw in the water over the past week, give a projection for the following week. And then at that point, you could drop off or stay listening. We're going to talk about something that is probably relevant to your life if you're even thinking about fishing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this past week, dude... <laughs> Like when we like just what we talked about, like when you left here, that's when yep. all hell broke loose. Yeah, it started snowing literally after I left. And yeah, that was uh, that was crazy. Yeah, so like you know, Jordan and I were texting pictures back and forth. Like we we got two feet over that forty eight oh, hours. For I mean, sure, it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just digging out of the driveway took forever. I mean, I was destroyed. Like my my arms and everything were arms and back were destroyed. Hours of work. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know the problem is too with the boat. That's carrying another, you know, couple yards full of snow. Yeah, that so you like, get off yeah. So it, it was just shoveling an insane amount, an insane amount. But whatever. Yeah. So that was uh, Monday, was digging out, and Tuesday was a little bit more of digging out, like really getting my boat out. I mean, the water would have been good enough to fish that day. Roads, you know, they cleared the roads up pretty quick. We, you could, if, if one was so inclined, you could have definitely pulled it off. But I didn't think it was possible uh, when I was talking to my, my guys the night before. And then you know, Wednesday, super windy. Thursday, it was uh, real cold. Friday, it was like it didn't get out of the single digits yeah. until like 11 you Probably, know? yeah. But the watercolor was good. We fished. Went from 5 to 25 like that. Yeah. And then uh, Saturday was great watercolor, but got abused with wind. Uh, catch rates were real low. Uh, we got them. And then uh, we didn't, didn't fish at all today because the wind was blowing and snowing and it's real cold. So that was the week. And then next week... It looks uh, like getting out of the single digits might happen a couple times. Yeah. You know, like next week is just more ice is going to form. I mean, Lake Erie, like, now that the water temperature is 33, like it's freezing quick. Like if you look at the, the bell curve from like freeze to thaw, it's always like as soon as the water temperature gets to 33, like it just starts freezing real fast. So like right, it just jumped like 20%. In the past four or five days, which is pretty crazy. So yeah, yeah. how quick that can happen. Yeah, and then this next week's gonna be super cold, and uh, so yeah, I probably won't get out, and then I leave to for Guyana on Friday. So, I guess the bottom line is it's just been so cold to really get a good beat on what's going on out there, and even you know it's like me and maybe two other guys are out. You know, most people are. I think making the smarter decision and just sitting inside <laughs> yeah. and trying to figure it out. But I just can't be, I just can't, man. I, I, uh, I start losing my mind if I, if I stay inside too long. So I just kind of make myself do it. 
But, yeah. So, that's the report. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. I was not out fishing at all this uh, past week, sadly. Cool. So, if that's all you want to listen to, great. Uh, we'll talk to you next week or when I get back from Guyana. We're actually going to probably take a couple weeks off while I'm in Guyana. But when I get back, like, that's going to be an awesome, awesome show, awesome yeah. discussion. I can walk through like a whole separate conversation about that so yep. that'll be good but uh yeah so moving on to the more uh deep type of conversation where we can kind of free flow um it's called uh i'm, I'm trying to think about it like a title for it i'd have to call it uh obstacles to simplicity um and like that idea is like so if you think about it man like it was like close to a year ago when you and i first started talking yeah and exchanging notes and it's like i just the, the, like until very recently it's like dude why don't we just start recording our conversations yeah. Yeah. you know because there there's gonna be some nugget that Chocolate comes out of information of it. Yeah. yeah there's gonna be some nugget and, and and a lot of it revolved around this idea of simplicity yeah um you know, because you had your way of doing things uh, from a tournament angler's perspective. And, and it's just, it, it's interesting because there are, you know, two distinct approaches to to the fishery. If you were to compare charter captains to, uh, you know, to tournament anglers, <clears throat> you know. And so, you know, just tell me, like, you know, when I say obstacles to simplicity, I guess what I'm thinking about is like, what kind of things do you find yourself getting sucked into? Like there was this book, can't remember which one is named uh, by uh, John Girach. He writes a bunch of fly fishing stuff, which is re really awesome reading. I've read all of his books. I can't remember which one it was, but he had this quote in there where he was talking about how anglers are just instinctual collectors, right? And I actually... Uh, <clears throat> I felt slighted by that comment because I definitely am not. Dude. Yeah, I saw yeah. your tackle set up. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, so yeah. I'm definitely not. And but give me your approach, man. Like, I mean, because I know, like, you and I have talked about this, and you own a lot of stuff. Yes, you know? I, I so, certainly do. Um, my approach was probably like most tournament anglers getting into it. Just every lure caught my eye. I wanted them all. I wanted to try them all. See what I could catch fish on. Um, and now that I'm five plus years now into actually fishing consistently, I'm narrowing down the things that I'm very good at and kind of going that route. But I do have baits that I collect, uh, mega bass baits, you know, higher end stuff because they are just beautiful and like pieces of artwork. And to me spending $25 on a jerk bait you know, I'll throw them, yes, but also if it, I want to have it to look at it. Yeah, uh, it's like me, like fly anglers do that yeah, stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's I, art, and yep, you know, no just some of the and especially those Japanese-made baits, the insane detail that they get on them, it's, uh, it's amazing. And then the other big reason why I have so much tackle is because tournament fishing. So because we are more bouncing around from multiple bodies of water uh you know sometimes day to day you know uh, so we could be on canisius one day we could be uh, the next weekend up at the saint lawrence uh two weeks later on lake erie down to chautauqua lake you know all over so for us 
having a ver- a wide variety of tactics and techniques is crucial because across those different bodies of water, like you can't fish them all the same because they set up completely different, whether it's, you know, grass, uh, how deep the lake is, those types of things. So that plays into it, but yeah, the, the, the Bass Pro Shop, uh, you know, displays definitely get you for most of the, (laughs) because you don't, you do not need that much tackle. You can go out and a lot of, if you look at all tournaments, how they are won, uh, there's pretty consistent themes across there of what bait and you know technique tactic was used so you could boil it down to probably you know 10 or 7 to 10 techniques and you'd be good but i like to tin- i like to tinker so dude, i dude. i mess with like 20 30 different techniques cuz i love it's so interesting it's like Tying a bunch of different flies and being able to catch something on all of them. I make baits I want to be able to make yeah. them and catch them, you know. So it's, it's interesting. It's cool. Yeah, so I'm not – what I'm about to – I just, I sometimes, man, I just feel like I have to qualify shit. I don't know why before I say it. I just don't want people to think I'm bragging because I don't know how much people know about me. So I just want to give people frames of reference. So if I say some stuff, it's not from bragging. It's to give people a frame of reference of where I'm coming from. Like, I fished all over the country, 43 states, caught fish on the fly in all 43 states, and then a bunch of the Canadian provinces. And I can tell you right now, all these different places, all this different type of water, all these different species of fish, I've fished in South America, all you really need to catch fish consistently is about a two and a half inch streamer. And if you just had to narrow it down to like two colors or even one color, it would just be black. You know, but you like black and white, you know, to those, those two colors, that's all you would need in all those places, dude. Every one of those places that I've been so many different waters from fucking Alaska to Guyana. Yeah. If you had a, the, the, you would just have to like two and a half, three inches, and then you just have to play with the weights so you could work different parts of the strike zone, you know? Um, and you know, cause I, 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 well, I'll tell you like even more of a story because I've I've never and it's probably because of my military like logistics background that I try to travel or operate as light as possible like just really just the essentials and make shit happen you know like think super technical about using the tool and get really good at that tool Um, and then just think about the baits that are the most versatile that will enable that right um, <clears throat> so I can move them around and, and apply that, that same system. And so I just look at it from like, you just need baits that work different parts of the strike zone, Yeah. you know? And, and like, so for example, like you saw what I'm bringing to Guyana. Oh yeah. It's a single tackle sleeve, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's got to fit in a sling, but you know, there's like 30 baits in there. Uh, cause you got to play your, your fish into toothy stuff and you just don't know what's going to happen. But so you need redundancy, but it all fits in that sling. And I, I bet you, you could take something very similar to what I'm bringing there to just about anywhere and catch fish. The only thing, like you and I talked about when I showed you that the other day, the only thing that you wouldn't uh, be able to take advantage of is soft plastics. Like you can't, 
know, yeah, so but e- even that, but... E- I mean, even in that sling though, you still did have plenty of room if you had to get yeah. like t- twenty packs of soft plastics yeah, yeah. in there, you know. Absolutely. So and with that, you could you're set. <clears throat> you're all with twenty packs. You could, and I I, I do like that approach. Um, there's a little niche in uh, like shore fishing and bass fishing that I'm finding recently uh, originating in Japan. It's called BFS, and it's a uh, uh, the bait finesse system and basically your the whole thing is to have kind of like minimal tackle you have right. like one rod one reel and you're it's kind like of like tankara fishing maybe i'm not familiar mm-hmm. with that and you're uh, they use like little bait casters and they're throwing like super tiny jerk baits and stuff like that it's like super finesse fishing but they're still catching like four pounders and stuff in these little creeks and it's it's another like minimalist kind of approach to it, and it just goes to show you don't need much to right. And you're gonna catch all sorts of species doing that. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I've uh, it was like two summers ago. I had been trying to convince Bill Hiltz to go fishing with me, and I bumped into him at the cleaning station at the at uh, Safe Harbor Marina, and he's like, "Yeah, I'd like to come out." And I've, I've been reading about you fishing with neds i'd like to come out and see you uh see how that's done and just what it's like so i was like hell yeah so i so i took him out and there was a camera guy from the buffalo news there filming and it was pretty fun but like when when i was talking to him about the ned like so here's my like this is relevant to the simplicity thing right because it's 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 getting captured by marketing yeah right like making you feel as if you need this particular bait or you're not going to be as good as you mm-hmm. could be without it, right? The, that feeling is what marketing is generating yeah. in you, which is what compels you to buy shit. You know, so, but I'll tell you my story with nuts because I think it's, it's, it's interesting along these lines. So I used to have, you know, pretty marginal type of gear. It was, it was heavier, clunkier stuff, not, not great for finesse. It was great for just bombing out swim baits. Mm-hmm. And throwing like jerk baits with you know for bass, and then it, it would double as a, a bait dragging rig to it. Just could kind of do everything. Yeah. It was a super simplistic synth, uh, system, and uh, but it caught fish. You know everything was good. And then Jim Hanley called me one day. He sent these clients to me. These guys were on the senior bass like senior tournament. Is that like is there an age category? Oh yeah, so like the high school tournaments. No, no, no. Uh, like seniors, like oh, old. senior citizen. Yeah, yeah, oh, gotcha, like, gotcha. Uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah, they're, they have, they're in some like. senior circuit in New Jersey. I know they're gr- great dudes. Okay, great dudes, and they they had fished with Jim for a couple of days, and uh, out in the lake, hammered fish. But these guys are like cast and retrieve dudes. Want to cover water? Like they want to do something different. <clears throat> so Jim's like, "Hey, Ryan, you fish the river all the time. Can you take these guys out?" So they show up and. The one guy's like, look, man, we're bringing all of our own gear. We got everything. We're set. Just show us where the fish are. Like, give us the orientation to the water that we're about to fish, and we'll catch fish in there. Right? And they're using nets. Uh, and they fucking definitely did, dude. Right? They definitely did. They just completely cleaned. And it was, it was just awesome. It was awesome watching it. I was so excited. Because I've had lots of really good sessions, but when you have dudes who can work finesse gear especially in the spring like you could just trickle it through its strike zone and just basically fucking feed fish like that's uh it was amazing watching these guys work 
And at the end of the day, he get, he's like, hey, man, you, he's like, I, I feel bad. I never even asked you. Do you want to try this? And uh, we were fishing. That year, there was a lot of fish set up uh, just downstream of Huntley on, on East River in that like little flat area yeah. where there's a, like, a weed bed and a drop-off, like right before the uh, Mid-River Marina. Yeah. Some years, there's a lot of fish that get stacked in there. Like the past couple of years, it hasn't been that great. But that year, there were a lot there. And uh, I'm working this bait through there and just fucking hammering. I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is awesome. And, and like, it, that was the trigger for me to move into trying to teach people how to fish instead of dragging baits. Like, yeah. some component of the day will be, you know, whatever it takes to catch the most amount of fish possible. But uh, another component of the day will be teaching people how to fish. Like, that's what the Ned did. Yeah. But it was a very specific bait. You know, like those guys, um, they're like, man, this thing's magical. You catch all these different fish, blah, 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 right? So fast forward, like, so I had been teaching finesse fishing to my clients for, in like, in, they would catch, they would usually get it you know like i'd go out and drag bait if i had to for a little while bend rods and then be like right now i'm going to teach you how to do this Mm -hmm. and they would get it eventually and they 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 took a lot of pride in actually like learning a new technique right so the uh i go out with bill hiltz and i start thinking about we're talking about capture like how marketing can capture you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why is, uh, why do you think the Ned works so well? And I start trying to explain to him, I think it's, you know, the surface area. Um, there's, I get less snags out of clients uh, because it's just a little piece of the head that's touching the bottom if they're retrieving it right. Um, it's just super versatile. And, uh, no, you know, that was my response. But then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, dude, uh, just a white Mr. Twister, like a quarter round set round head yeah. is the same, is the same thing. So the last year <clears throat> I exclusively used in the spring from like mid April when that bite started getting real good until like May 15th, exclusively used white Mr. Twisters on a, a quarter on a white quarter ounce head. Some days I, uh, and, and every once, like when the water started getting into like the upper forties, I switched out the, uh, body and put a bigger body on it. Like, uh, a, uh, like a four, uh, four inch swim bait or something yeah. like that. Like a narrower profile one, but like a four inch long one, just, just for shits and giggles. And every once in a while I would put a chartreuse head on just to see if something different I, would happen. I've never caught a fish on a grub. I don't think ever. <clears throat> what? I'm being dead serious, dude. Yeah. It, dude, I'm telling you. So, but here's the thing: the, the reason why I did that, yeah, is because that when I had that conversation with Bill, he, he not even intentionally or not even like overtly doing it made me think about why I was doing what I was doing, you know. And uh, so I like by the time I had taken him out, that was a post spawn bite, and like the river bite was starting to drop off, so I didn't really have any time to experiment with it. But I made a vow to myself. The following year, I'm using old school stuff, old school shit. And, because, uh, dude, when I was a kid, man, like, we would, my buddy Nate and I and my brother, we would ride our bikes, because I lived on Grand Island, we would ride our bikes to Buckhorn, like, every day in the summertime and in the spring. And we would, we would wade out about up to our waist and just cast out there and basically swing 
you know, white Mr. Twisters and yeah. just kind of bounce. And we would hammer. We would hammer. And then we, we would also, like, during the, like, a little bit of a post-spawn window, we would flip rocks and catch crayfish and, like, put, put a shot on and just cast that out and swing it. We would totally hammer there. And uh, white Mr. Twister. It just, you, there was no need for anything else. It, it, it always produced. And I went back to it this past spring, and uh, it totally did. You know, like it totally did. And and I know that that's not just like a, a, I know plenty of guys who use them largemouth fishing too, smallmouth fishing, and like there's tons of applications, every species, you know, there's tons of applications to them. Uh, I think it's, so like in in bass fishing, you know, like flipping grass is huge. And an old school, what people call an old school technique is flipping a tube. So I started using that, and I'm like, okay, this is sick. And I've all, I always hear about people fishing a grub, whether it's on a Carolina rig, swim bait head, what have you, and loving it. And I've just I've tried it, but I've never dedicated the time to it. And it's so simple, and you can do you know so many different things. Oh yeah, man, it's it's great. It's 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 great for um, for cover like covering water. Mm-hmm. You know that, that's like. To, to stay on the topic of, of simplicity, um, you know, I I just think that, uh, like, oh, man, I, I struggle with this a lot, so I'm probably going to mess this up. But I just think sometimes fish are spry and they're going to eat. And I think that there's very little, you know, this is going to be controversial, but I, I, I think that there's going to be very little you can do to like ultimately coax a fish other than just like sitting on top of it, like beating the crap out of it if it's on a bed. Right. But you know, like if you're working a zone to stay focused on a specific fish for a while, just, I don't know. Like it, to me, if, as long as you're covering water, the spryest fish are going to feed. You just got to figure out where the big ones, like where the prime lie is. You know, because if you have conditions where there's moving water, um, you know, the biggest fish are going to occupy the prime part of the zone, the zone with the least current that gets the most inflow of food, like their easiest ambush point. Um, that's how they got to be the, as big as they are, is they've, they've figured out how to dominate and burn less calories. So that's where they're going to sit um, in current. So you just got to figure out where that hole is and that's where the big ones are going to be. And you do that by just covering water, working a zone and, and figuring out what a pattern is. But I've, I've, uh, and when, if you do that, you don't need a bunch of different type of gear. You could just keep it super simple, cover through, find the fish that are spry and feeding and then work that particular zone and try to find where the big one is. Um, but you, it's your community takes a, a very different approach. I've noticed, which is yeah. And I was just thinking it's, about that. Yeah, it's more, it's more video game focused, or it seems like it, you know. And I want you to push back on that. So you know, like, there's a lot of screen time, dude. It just seems like there's a lot of screen. Yeah. Time so the big the thing, like you're fishing current a lot, um. So like in the upper lower river, which there. Like, yeah, but you can only, you know, you're not going to idle that all day with your graph because there's, it's, you know, you're going to be moving. It's going to be difficult to really find anything of value. But, like, you know, the prime areas, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, for me, I, it, you know, we've had 
several days and I'm thinking like back when I first started fishing the net rig, you could throw any like quarter ounce head, any single color out of Z Man's lineup yeah. and you would catch them. And we would do these really long drifts. And like even prior to that, before we had a bass boat or anything, we'd just throw tubes and do these super long drifts. Like no just destination, just drifting right. down the river and we'd always, you know, catch fish. So as for the tournaments though, I'm I'm thinking largemouth wise depends if you're practicing or not. Like there's the situation. So like for me, I traditionally largemouth fishing like to fish shallow and try and cover water until I start catching fish and then I might try and soak an area for a bit and then continue on. On Erie though, it's a for me, I feel like it's a bit different because if if I'm drafting around and I start seeing fish and I start fishing and I start catching them if it's a tournament, yeah, you might I, I might get up and leave to go to a different spot like a rock pile or something specific mm-hmm. like that. Um, so it kind of depends, but that varies on the person too because I know people that go out and all they do is cover, they don't fish one like rock pile for more than you know 20 minutes because if the fish aren't going to bite there, they're not going to bite. Right. But they're generally not doing like, and it depends on the weather obviously on Erie because if it's a slick yeah. calm day, you know, you have no choice. And I would rather on Erie because you're, unless you have like, I, I don't have an all track. So, yeah, so, but, but, but t- tell me about that though because I've, I've, like anybody who knows me knows that I, I, uh, I can't stand it when Erie's glassy, man, because it's just, I gotta be like, the only way that I'm happy out in Lake Erie is if I'm, if I'm moving, you know, at least ideally at least a half a mile an hour. Then I'm, then I'm like, okay, I'm covering water. I'm comfortable that we're presenting baits through a zone and really saturating it. Um, that, so I, you know, if, if we don't get bit, then it's a good indication of what's going on. Like, but if, but the but but I've seen a lot of bass boats out there get real success. So like, what are you seeing? Like, if you if you're out there with no current, are you just kind of like on your trolling motor coasting around and looking for individual so, fish? Or? Well, it it depends. Um, so I have like bare minimum graphs and trolling motor. So some of these guys that have like pan optics and all that, they're like always on the trolling motor, staring at the graph, like trying to find fish on you know clumps, you know schools of fish, what have you. I. I I'm not like that, but for for example, on Erie, like a flat calm day, middle of summer, I'm trying to catch smallmouth. I this would also apply probably anytime it's flat calm. Actually, um, you're trying to find rock piles, so like I've spent time graphing out there, not even a fraction of what most guys have that are successful out there, uh, consistently tournament wise, and, and just guiding wise out there. Honestly, a lot of the bass uh, specific guides, but. Uh, regardless it's get on that rock pile that you may have graphed earlier if you saw some fish next to it and trolling motor around it a bit but for me i'm generally going to be staring down at my graph a lot while i'm doing that looking for little fish or arcs you know on the graph little differences and if i see the you know the lasagna as a lot of people say or uh, you know, the layers on the bottom there, if I'm fishing a drop shot, I'll 
wind it up real quick, drop it straight down on them, and a lot of the times that's how I'll get bit. Um, but yet again, you could work that area with a Ned rig or uh, you know, a football jig, something like that, and you might get bit. But for me, I just find more success on those flat days, like just kind of, I don't know. Everyone's different, though. I yeah. know guys who don't like when it's flat calm, they would much rather have the bait further away from the boat. So, but yeah. I, I'm talking about fishing 30, 40 foot of yeah. water, which too. is tough. Yeah, like when you get that far, like yeah. when you're fishing those depths, it's you got to use something real heavy if you want to bomb out and stay oh, yeah. on the bottom and work it back. Yeah, to and, fe- and feel it the whole time, yeah. too, you know, because a lot of the, there's, yeah, there's a lot of rock, but there's also a lot of sand out there as well. So it's kind of. Yeah, dragging through sand as you probably know is not you don't it's, feel it's, anything yeah, it's, it's tough to know yeah, whether or not you're down there yeah exactly so yeah. that's kind of my approach and I feel like most tournament anglers approach um, inland lakes though yeah it's completely different uh, you know you can graph around it depends a lot of guys up here because we, we have such good grass we, we fish grass a lot of the times or docks so dock fishing you're kind of just swinging prospecting yes yeah. yeah, seeing and like if you sometimes you get a good dock that has five nice fish on it at times which you know or there's a dock that holds big fish for some specific reason so long man i, I, I love doing that stuff. yeah it's so, fun or then like fishing the grass though and even that involves like stuff, precision yeah. casting like in volume you know like you can stay skipping a bait is yeah, so satisfying yeah if you could stay out like I don't know, like, sometimes I, like, work at a 40-foot zone, like, 40-foot casting zone, you know, other times maybe a little bit closer, but as long as it involves some sort of precision, like, on a casting program, it's, it makes it way more fun, but... Yeah, adding that little challenge to it as well, but then often, like, you make that super specific cast and you get rewarded with it. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I recognize that I've, I'm, uh pretty extreme like as far as maintaining simplicity like I, I think yet yeah, we discussed this before that I everything that I need other than my downriggers is on my boat and to put my downriggers on takes like I don't, it doesn't matter what time of year it's all there it's all there yeah. um, so from fishing for king salmon to um, you know fishing lake Erie for smallmouth like it's all it's all on the boat so um but that's that's pretty extreme but what i what i sacrifice in doing that is what you're talking about like the uh it is kind of cool not kind of cool it's definitely cool to catch fish on different types of baits like with different approaches like just because you can and that that's you know for me, if, if I was, uh, let, let's say I I had been somewhere, or even here, like, now I've come full circle. Like, now I get off on super, like, just being nostalgic about old stuff that I used when I was a kid. But, um, yeah, you know, like, you can get away with using crankbaits. You can get away with using, you know, stick baits in certain times of year. So, so just, like, building off of that, for the tournament guys, I think... Well, I know it's we can't use live bait. So clearly, if in like these bass tournaments, if you could use live bait, like things would be changing a lot. Yeah, you know what we'd be seeing. But we're all artificial lures, so with that, there's I think a lot more like strategy 
in a way behind it. Like if we were to just go out fishing with live bait, uh, you know, can you shoot honey eye almost any of these lakes, you know, you could set up somewhere and you're probably going to be catching fish, you know, um, versus having to cover the water and tr you're having to more so trick the fish into biting. And that's where like the variety for us, I think comes in and colors Color, I feel, is kind of subjective depending on who you ask because it's, like, confidence-based. So there's some guys who might be like, I only throw three colors. And then there's other guys who are like, I have a specific color for every single lake. Or some, yeah, some get real, real crazy about it. Like, wow. only on these conditions, which, like, spinner baits, certain things, like, there's different colored blades, gold, silver. Like, I understand those That's like a crazy psychosis, but... bro. Like, like the, uh, because, like, evidence to the contrary of that belief is around that person all the time. It's not as if, like, if somebody makes a claim where they only use a certain color on a certain lake, um and other people are using different approaches on the same lake and still catching lots of fish, it's like right in your face proven that that, that doesn't make sense. But, but, I, I, but I get it, though. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what's so fascinating about it is, like, whatever, like, you, like, humans were, like, creating this relationship with, uh, with an object, and it's, uh, it's, enabling you know confidence you know it's it's uh it's strange i guess i feel more like most confident if i can feel what's going on in the water right which is why i i i, I use the baits that i use yeah. and i like teaching them because you know the the like i think we're, we're identifying is you can take a bunch of different approaches and it's still gonna work and some days it might work better using one approach than the other but there's no way if you could actually there's no way of you of you ever knowing the answer to whether or not that's the case you uh, know? yeah so to a certain degree like at the end of a tournament like or you know in our club tournaments for example like everyone's pretty you know open about like talking about how, how the day goes and it's sometimes everyone was catching them the same way and there's always the outliers but and then other times everyone was catching fish a different way and you go to the bigger tournaments where there's a hundred plus people maybe on these lakes there's patterns throughout them all of how they're catching them amongst different people but still some of them are going to have the super specific kind of oddball stuff they were doing but had you put another one of those anglers in their position who knows yeah, yeah. so it's yeah, that's what's wild about it when you think yeah. about it like it uh there's so much almost religion associated with uh the gear that we have it's like everybody has a level of uh, or some sort of relationship with it that you know makes them feel secure you know or breeds confidence um yeah i mean it, it's 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 uh it's wild i think you know, if I'm if I'm just uh, trying to be critical of myself on this, like I'm I'm super biased towards uh, like tactile sensation, like feeling the bottom, you know, and and like feeling a, a bite, and and the reason why is one, it's like constant stimulation because you're always feeling what's going on, 
and two, it helps give you another like one of your other your one of your senses is helping resonate what's actually going on below you. Like if you cover certain stretches of water all the time, like like me, like I'm fishing the upper Niagara, the lower Niagara, like all over Lake yeah. Erie, Lake Ontario. So, I mean, I'm not saying that I've covered all of it. I'm, I'm saying I've covered a lot of it, like mm-hmm. a lot of it. Um, like I've, I've definitely fished almost every, like, you know, I've drifted basically all of West River and East River and fished all of it, you know, like, and then Lake Erie is still, up. I, I have more learned there for sure. But my, my point is, like, when you're doing that and you can feel the bottom in there, then you you build another mental picture of what's going on down yeah. there. Like you'll remember a rock and this Very type true. of stuff, and you don't need your graph. Like it just starts to become intuitive, so you can explain that to people. And you're not really, I'm not having to be beholden to my my graph. Um, but that's just personal preference, right? Like some people enjoy tinkering with with their graphs. You know, like other people want to constantly change baits and experiment with different stuff, and like. Um, it's like everybody's got this little different approach of, of why they enjoy it, you know, or I just, I guess the, the kind of paradigm challenging thing that both of us are trying to scratch at right now though, is have you ever really thought about why you approach it the way that you do? I, you know? I approach it because this is what I thought bass fishing was, you know, yeah. like, so that was kind of my if I knew then what I know now, I would probably, you know, going into it, I wouldn't have just gone as wild as I did with all the baits that I've gotten and especially the volume that I've gotten. And now I make baits. So that's a whole, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have a different, uh, a different situation going on there, but like, yeah. but I, dude, I've made the, the same mistakes, but the thing that I would do is every year at the end of the year, I would think about what I, you know, think about the past year. Yeah. Like, what gear did I use? What caught the most fish? What patterns did I see? What, and then I would say, these are the actual tools that I need mm-hmm. for my program. And I would just get rid of everything else that I didn't have, didn't need anymore. And, and by get rid of it, like I'd probably take it out to Captain Bob's yeah. and Clarence and, you know, trade it in for uh, store credit, you know, but uh, I would never maintain much of a surplus like whatever i like I, I have ways that i want to approach the fishery for a year so i just buy to that tackle wise and you know i've just seen you know average consumption rates i, I know i'm going to lose this amount of baits you know blah blah yeah. blah so i just know what i need for a year and i just buy that in bulk and i've worked that program um i, I don't typically t- but i will keep like some stick baits and crank baits in there. Like if we get a, a crazy bite and we just want to experiment and do some fun yeah. stuff, you know, I have, I have the ability to do that, but otherwise I got, you know, when it comes to, cause the, the believe it or not, dude, I don't, I never fish bait in the river. Like it, it, very rarely. Cause by the time you can actually fish bait in the river, there's, that's when the, all the moss is flowing. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's like late June. It's not a great time to drag baits in the river. So, Prior to that, you can't. Um, third Saturday in June, I think, is when you can actually use live bait in the river. But anyway, like, I I, don't, I never fish live bait in the river. 
The only place that I fish it is out in the lake, and I don't even use live bait in the lake until post spawn. You know, so the 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 uh, once they get like late June, pretty much until uh, mid July. Yeah, yeah, late June to mid July, I'll keep using artificials. And throughout the summer, I'll use artificials mixed with crayfish here and there. But stick mostly with artificials, like dragon nets. Yeah. And, uh, and then in October, November, and now December, if, if we have the water for it, that's when I drag baits. But I, you know, I'll drag swim bait, but I'll also bring a lot of live bait. And the only reason why I do that is because I want to spoil the hell out of those clients at that point of the year. Like I'm, we're we're hunting for fucking donkeys, man. Like we're we're going for sixes in the hope of a seven. So like whatever it's gonna take that like they like nine times out of ten, they're gonna go buck wild on like big like white suckers. They'll just hammer them, you know. So most of the time they will. But there's I've absolutely experienced times out there. You know, this year fishing it as late as I did where a swim bait dragged down the bottom with like just a little bit of movement will outfish live bait. I've seen it happen, like a five to one ratio. hundred percent. So, but yeah, but it really, if you think about that, it's just, okay, so now I know, like I'm, during these times of the year, I know for a fact that a Ned will prevail, you know, so that's what I'm going to have. And then... During these times of year, I'm going to fish live bait and big swim baits, yeah. you know. During these times of year, I'm going to fish, you know, white Mr. Twisters, just because I think they'll smack anything and they're a lot cheaper than yeah. than uh, the rest of the tackle. And, and as for, like, the bass, like, tournament side of that, there, depending on who you talk to, there's certain baits that guys will only throw at certain times of the year or so on. It, yes, you probably, like... Due to grass in certain areas yeah, and yeah. stuff grass like that, is, you clearly totally can't. Yeah, thing. you clearly can't fish certain baits yeah. in all areas. But still, like, you can go almost anywhere on a lake and fish. You know, any type of bait that you want, and or lure or whatever, and you could, and you'll probably catch fish. Um, doing that as long as you have the confidence to do it. But I think a lot of like you know the marketing and everything, but it gets into the guys' heads. Uh, bass fishing because. You know, like people think frog fishing, for example, it has to be super hot out and 90 degrees, all of this thick grass, what have you, because that's what I always thought of when I thought of it. And then there's guys catching them in open water in, you know, the early spring when the water is still what I would think was, you know, pretty cold to be even trying to catch them on a frog, and they're doing it. So Hmm. it's kind of just that, like, the barrier that you're putting up thinking that it only can work this, you know, specific time. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, huh. I don't know, like, I lost my train of thought. I was, I was thinking about the, uh, the river in the, in the spring and working swim baits through there, but. <laughs> For me, I feel like in the, hmm, pre-spawn, and the pre-pre-spawn, Ned Rigs are always really good uh, around the spawn as well. And then post-spawn for me, I feel like, is more when I shine with a swim bait. Yeah. Because you can, you're you're covering more water because, I don't, from my experience, right after they spawn, they're not 
they're not really in the mood to eat. You have to get it in front of their face. You know, it's not like for, for me. I think yeah. it's not. You know, they want something a little, you know, more fast paced to get them to to trigger to eat versus the Ned rig when you know sprint time. They're just like eating every single thing in sight. You know, dude. Oh, uh, dude. I, I I just remembered what uh, what I was gonna ask you. Yeah, perfect. Um, the uh, so when I used to be like strictly fly fly angler I, I was pretty much not a snob to it but i just fished places that lent themselves very well to fly fishing and mm-hmm. did a lot of it um and uh so i fly fished like straight that didn't touch any conventional tackle for over a decade and uh in that community one it was very tribal but two there was a uh there were tribes within the bigger tribe, right? Like there was, uh, you know, guys who were dry fly purists. And then there were guys who were like Euro nymph guys. Then there were Tenkara guys. And, uh, there were, uh, like spay casting guys who'd only swing flies. Um, who there's, Basically, and then, oh yeah, streamer junkies, like guys who would only want to throw big streamers, right? So I, I've, I don't really interact with the, uh, the, like the bass tournament scene in any way. Like I used to watch it when I was a kid on TV and stuff, you know, and Bill Dance and some of the tournaments, yeah. like even when Kevin Van Dam first came on the scene, I used to watch that stuff when I was much younger, but, um, but yeah, I'm totally disconnected from it now. I don't monitor it in any way. I don't know what baits are advertised. I buy most of my baits from Captain Bob's just because he knows exactly what I'm going to use. And he's mm-hmm. always got the stuff that, I, that I'm going to use. So I don't like dabble in a bunch of different stuff often. But, uh, you know, it's... Does that type of like... Uh, tribes within tribes behavior is that like are there dudes in the the bass tournament circuits who just strictly throw big swim baits yes. like that so, yeah that's a great topic and i've been getting into that and i, I love talking Cause, about cause, it because the reason why i was at the reason why i'm asking that is it's just this is just another like so far you know we've captured like uh, the ways that the the um are simplicities like obstacles to simplicity like so far we covered we're getting we're getting infected by branding to some extent mm-hmm. right which is you know it's it, that's difficult for you to, to it, like you have to force yourself to reflect on it yeah but the other thing though is just like the tinkering nature of a person right yeah. like, so if, if you want to experiment and try to do different stuff you know, because you've done it one way and it's like, okay, can I do it this way? Can I do it this way? Can I make more happen here? Can I make this work better? Like if you want to tinker around then you, and experiment with different stuff and find new things and different approaches, that's another way where you start aggregating a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But then I was, you know, wondering, that's what got me thinking about it. Okay. So you could end up in one of those two kind of camps, but then there's another community of guys who will strictly only want to fish a certain way. And if it's not done that way, there's almost like judgment cast. It's like, oh, dude, I can't believe you fish that way. But that will cause another segmentation of stocking up on a bunch of stuff that deviates from, you know, keeping it simple. So, like, what do you see 
in uh, like the tournament circuit or, or even just kind of in the community in general? So the, our big ones separate, you know, would be finesse fishing or power fishing. And then more specifically from that would probably be bait casting or spinning. Spinning being more, you know, finesse, obviously, and bait casting being more power fishing related. Um, so there's like those two, there's... Those two communities like beef and talk shit. No, not eh. oh, that, that'd it, be it depends. Cross country, I would say for sure. Like yeah? my buddy down in Virginia, like we always have a joke, and he's like, "Are you bringing a fairy fairy wand out?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna probably throw a drop shot or something." No, doubt. and like they do it, but they're just like it seems for the most part. Like after talking to how everyone caught them, it's like they're bait heavy bait caster user bait casting users. And, uh, and they love throwing crankbaits, jerkbaits, moving baits, stuff like that. And then when you go down to Florida, bass fishing-wise, it's all grass. And, like, you're not going to be able to effectively fish with a spinning rod trying to, you know, get a, a 10-pound bass out of the trolleys right. and all that garbage. So you got to go with a stiffer, like, bait caster. And then, you know, as you get Midwest, out west, you know, you have these bodies of water that are more like sunken trees or just rock and you have guys starting to use and they use them all on the east coast too but it's just you don't hear about it as much but they start using the giant swim baits which is a whole nother you know category of people like it really seemed to start in california and it's huge out there it wasn't california holding the largemouth record for a while it, it might i i'm not sure like when i when i lived out there there was when I lived out there, there were like more than a handful of twenty-plus pounders caught out of Lake Irvine because they just eat rainbow trout all day. Yeah, like, there was—I don't remember what year. I'd have to look into it, but uh, there was like a six-fish limit weighed in. I can't. Don't I don't. It might have been Clear Lake. I don't remember, but it was like six-fish limit. I believe it was like sixty something. What? Sixty something pounds. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, man. That's so just like crazy. you're averaging a ten pounder, but that's not how it was. I think they had like a a twenty pounder in there, or it was a yeah, nineteen, you know, or it was something crazy. Don't quote me, anyone, but no, no, regardless. But but dude, like you know what I I think is interesting about that though is, I wonder if those West Coast dudes who are catching those megas, like are uh, think that what they're doing is far cooler. Oh, it then, is far cooler than, than, than uh, what we do out here, I think. Yeah, that, I mean, like, that that's what I'm saying, or to, to the point where there's some arrogance to it. Like, in the fly fishing side, like, if you go to western states like Idaho and Montana and, uh, you know, Colorado, like, western Colorado in particular, like, you, uh, you'll definitely have a a different demographic where there's more purists and, you know, fly fishing type of stuff. Like people holding them, you know, have, have a view of themselves of a different standard yeah. from people in the rest of the country. I just think it's interesting, man, how, how that type of stuff happens. But like, you know, those monster bass getting caught out West, like it, it's, that's what I is, I don't know. To me, it's it's an awkward thing about the the tournaments, the thing, or the tournament fishing. It's awkward for me, in that like it would be super cool to catch a twenty pound largemouth. Like, don't get me wrong, that would definitely be cool. I'm not not judging it, but those fish are 
I mean, they're kind of like mutants, man. You know, like they're they're living in an area that they're not at all native to. They've been put into an ecosystem where they are immediately the dominant predator with an endless amount of forage. And they could just grow. Out of, there's no competition. They could grow to whatever size they want. And there's endless amounts of just huge amounts of food. Like steaks, dude. Just imagine if people were just dropping off big filet mignons to you every day. Like rich in all these, you know, omega-3 fatty acids. And like, dude, you're going to grow and get jacked. You know, like that's not natural, man. Like it's just weird. You know, like so when like it's like... I don't know, it's, uh, again, like, it's totally cool, dude. I think it's fascinating, it's interesting, but at the same time, I'm like, that's not a, like, that shit ain't right, man. You know, like, it's just, uh, it's awesome that I got to experience it, but it's definitely manufactured. Like, it's not, yeah. you know, and, and, and I've, I struggle with that a lot, too. Um, you know, uh, maybe that's why I, I try to keep things super simple. Is I, I, like... I'm almost immediately impacted in a lot of situations by, or at find myself asking questions like, how much have we altered what's going on? Oh, yeah. You know, underneath us. Because that, that could be another factor, too, for getting loaded up on gear, is, uh, you know, maybe there's, you know, anecdotal evidence, I'm sure a lot of, and I, I haven't, like, Googled this, but... There's probably a decent chance that uh, fish have some sort of memory or they can learn, right? Um, you know, like if, if, if a fish keeps getting beat up by catching or getting hooked by a certain bait, you know, maybe. Yeah, we, it will we stop thought being that in that. bass fishing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe that'll be the case. Maybe it won't, uh, you know, that's what that's what all these different baits are made for. Like, I'm not saying that there's like this big malicious marketing entity out there who's solely driven by profit motive. Like they're, they're not going to sell products if their baits don't work, yeah. you know? Um, but they're all kind of slight deviations off of, you know, something from a, a far simpler time. Yeah. But, you know, you could almost, ask yourself well if you're fishing in a place that's got that gets a lot of pressure then maybe just maybe <laughs> if you show that fish something different than it's used to seeing it'll eat it you know um maybe that we'll never know and that's that's like another reason why people stock up in a bunch of different tackle and to be to be honest with you dude i uh I'd like to like, brutally honest most of the time i i just I don't have the patience to keep switching baits out because I, I, I believe that if a fish is spry, it's spry and it's going to eat like it, you know, it's going to eat something as long as it's close to the right profile, you know, it's going to eat it when it comes in front of its face. If it's, if it's spry in the mood to do it. Um, I, but maybe, you know, that's just my approach. Like I, I go in with, with that belief. And uh, that's how I approach things. To, that's how I try to keep it simple. But if you're if you're of like more of the tinkerer mindset, where you want to pick something apart and experiment with a bunch of different stuff, um, like that's how my buddy Nate is too. You know, he he's totally that way. But if you're like that and you start accumulating tackle, I when I see that behavior, the the concern that I have about it is that you're doomed for like 
you're doomed to confirmation bias. Like, there's just no way that you could know whether or not that change actually had an effect. You just have to choose to believe it, <laughs> right? Like you, Because th there's no way that you could actually know. That fish just might have finally gotten sick of this thing moving in front of its face and it just decided to smash it. Like, it, it, uh, it, it, it's, it happens in musky fishing all the time. You know, it, it, that could have done it, so who knows? You know, but if you choose to believe that, that your change made it, then there's your confirmation that it works. And you start accumulating stuff toward that end. And, you know, I just think there's a lot of evidence to, uh, I don't know, it, it, whatever makes you happy out there. You no, know, I, I definitely get, you what you, get what you're saying. And, like, you know, you could go through one stretch of grass on, you know, Cayuga Lake. Someone's going to catch them on a spinnerbait. Someone's going to catch them on a chatterbait. Someone's going to catch them on a crankbait. Someone's going to catch them on a jig. Someone's going to catch them on a drop shot. All on that same exact stretch, you know? Yeah. Like, if, if they all fished it. And it's just, it, it, it's all the confidence of what you have and how, how you're comfortable catching them. And it's great tournament angler wise like have being versatile and, yeah. and even guiding you know being versatile because yeah, yeah. the being fish aren't teach, always going to be able to do what you want them to do you're going to have to adjust for yeah them that, that's why i uh you know i i have a handful of different varieties but you can only teach so much in a day too yeah. you know yeah these techniques so, take a long time there's a, there's yeah. a lot of subtleties to them cool i've covered a lot great, of yeah. covered a lot again once again man yeah, that was a great conversation there. yeah all right, well, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, heading out to Guyana soon, so I'm looking forward to, to doing that and also telling you guys a story when I get back. So Yeah, we got a lot of cool things to come, so very excited. See ya.